Hey, I'm Alessandra Wallner, also known as Lotus, creator of Burning Love, a podcast about falling in love at Burning Man and trying to take it home. Before we get started, two PSAs. Number one, this first episode has content that's probably not suitable for everyone. I give it a solid PG-13 rating. Number two, if you know or have a playa love story you think should be on this show, come find me. If you're going to be in the dust, I'll be at Milk and Honey at 645 and C. Ask for Lotus. If you're not, shoot an email to burningloveshow at gmail.com. This show was originally designed to run as a four-episode series, but depending on what I hear from y'all, who knows? I will love you till the end of the playa. That's what we said to each other. It was just silly. We were just playing. The way that Burning Man opens you up to play, we were just playing like we were in love. I think maybe even before our playa wedding, that might have been after. Yeah, yeah maybe when we made love for the first time, Monday, Yeah, in your tent with your sweat in my face. <laughs> it was so hot. Yeah, it was hot. And it was maybe then we came up with that. I love you to the end of the playa. Yeah. We had just, we had been, I don't know, we were just, I think we were laying there after we had sex for the first time, and we were just laughing and, you know, giggling and holding each other, and and we just started to pretend like we were in love. I don't remember how it started, but it was kind of a joke, like, I love you. And and Americans, you know, Americans say so fast, I love you. I mean, that's... Yeah. We do? Yeah, very, very fast. So Sunday night, when uh, Burning Man just opened, I went out with my friends and um, we lost like it's normal on Burning Man. We lost uh, very fast uh, the big part of the group. And uh, two friends and I ended up at Comfort and Joy. That's a gay club. And there's this famous tent and we were there and I saw five beautiful men, beardy, hairy men. I um, was very, um, very surprised to see them there. I offered them a cigarette and uh, soon found out that four of them are two couples and only one guy is single. And so I sat down with him on a piano that's really in front of um, Comfort and Joy standing there and we started to sing and smoke together. That's pretty much how we met. I remember when I first saw him, he had beautiful blonde shoulder length hair. And I quickly realized it was a wig, which I love. It's one of my favorite wigs now. He looked like Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. It was the first time that we'd been able to go out, and I was pretty drunk. I don't really remember. I remember meeting him at the piano. I remember singing at the piano. But the whole evening is kind of dark till the next day. And, yeah, I I went to him Monday. And And we consummated our marriage. (laughs) That means we had sex. Yes, we had sex in my tent and it was hot and miserable but great because so we just pretended like we were in love and we said well if we're in love we should get married let's get married tomorrow okay let's get married tomorrow we made a plan to meet at his camp at noon tuesday at noon on tuesday uh we biked all the way across town and we showed up and i see daniel and he is filthy he's been out at robot heart he's like bleary eyed just barely conscious, barely awake. And he goes, oh yeah, 
We're getting married. I was a little tipsy. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, then uh, we talked about where shall we do it? Shall we do it? Uh, there's a there was a there was a, a Buddhist center right around the corner. We we thought we might ask there, but we decided to do it on the porta potties. So it was a porta potty wedding, and it was awesome. We went to the handicap porta potty at 4:30 and G or H. Which, because it was big, so we could both fit in there. And somebody was in there, and we waited for her to get out. And then <laughs> we were in there with the officiant, and our other friends gathered around, and we had we said some vows. Yeah. And then we kissed. Danny did a great so job. We, he had an awesome week. I remember Wednesday, I was t we were tired because Tuesday yeah. was such a big day. And then Thursday, you want to talk about Thursday. Thursday was our beautiful day, our most perfect, beautiful day. That Today started. probably fell in love with yeah. the Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel was so good that year, the Ferris wheel. It was like nine o'clock in Esplanade, and there was a Ferris wheel facing the playa or off the on the open playa. And uh, there at night, there was a line all night long. There was a short line during the day, but our friend was camped there, and they had little tokens. So if you had a token, you could just skip the line. So we got on the Ferris wheel, and... They, you know, they load it, and you go a little bit by little bit, and every gets loaded, and then they just start turning around, and you're on a Ferris wheel at Burning Man looking out at the playa. But that's not And all. then suddenly he throws it into fast. Woo, woo, woo. So it's going slow, and it was, I mean, a Ferris wheel going from a normal slow speed to fast in one swift motion is so terrifying because that kind of thing would never happen in default. Those people, you know, that is a lawsuit waiting to happen. It was both terrifying and exhilarating. I think we back, went back three times that week. Yeah, yeah, we kept going back yeah, to the Ferris wheel. It was the best. It's such a like a cliche of young love to be on the Ferris wheel and kiss at the top and slow and then <laughs> as fast as you can possibly go. Safety eighth. <laughs> then let's get on top of that thing. I never thought that I'm going to feel like uh, maybe 16 year old again. It was so fresh. It made me feel so different. I'm, I'm sometimes feel, I sometimes feel old and wise. You know, nothing can. I'm strong with both feet on the ground. Nothing can shake me. But then this happens. It was so. It was so crazy. It didn't feel like a surprise to me because. Because we had been playing being in love. We had kept saying, oh, we're in love. We're going to be in love for the rest of the playa. I will be yours until Burning Man ends. Six more days, you have all of my love. And then it just, one day, it just was there. We had spent enough time together and, and Burning Man time. And by Friday, I, I, I knew I just was, I just felt it. I just knew I was in love. And people started to comment on it like, you guys are in love. And was it Friday where we first said it? I mean, this is days after we've met. No, you said it then when, I, when we were back in San Francisco, but that comes later. You, you said it, I love you. And then I said, wow, you love me? But the playa is over. Right. But because we had done this game of being in love, we had been saying we were in love. And then we started to feel we were in love. I was in love before we left. Totally, me too. Totally, totally. <laughs> Thank you.
So um, finally Saturday came and it was time to say goodbye. Tony decided to leave before the man burns. And of course there were some tears and it was a big long goodbye. He left and I went back to my camp. But I realized that I didn't give him my number, just I had his number. And that was kind of good, but still I thought if only one, sh one number is wrong, I cannot meet this guy ever again. And we, were, we had an appointment that we're going to meet in San Francisco. And so I went back to his camp and met all these people again and checked the number. It was right. And short before I went to the burn, the, uh, the man burn, I sent him a text and uh, thanked him for the wonderful week and uh, wished him a safe trip. And I went to the burn with my friends. And when I came back to camp, I found this amazing <laughs> message on my phone that made me fly for weeks. And he wrote so beautifully about how great this week was and uh, that he's safe back home and um, that he's very curious what's going to be in future, how it will be when I come to San Francisco. And he also said, say yes and embrace. I remember this part. I remember saying, say yes. We had kept saying to each other throughout the week, say yes. Say yes to this experience. Do it now. Like you always try to do at Burning Man. But one of the things that was so great about us together is we just kept saying yes. And we kept encouraging the other to say yes. It's so easy sometimes to forget that at Burning Man and say, oh, I'll come back to their camp. You don't. You do, you do it now. And so one of the things I said in that text message to him was, while I'm gone, continue to say yes. I think say yes is my response to immediacy. Doesn't everyone say yes at Burning Man? Doesn't everyone encourage their friends to say yes? What was the first thing you said yes to with each other, to each other? I totally remember it was my cigarette. I offered him a Swiss cigarette and he said yes to it. I got him with cigarettes and I still can do that now. So when Tony left at this Saturday, I turned from a bowl to a plate. Okay, I have to explain that. When I went to Burning Man, I felt like I'm a bowl. Not a ball, but a bowl, a salad bowl. You know, I was um, something that had something inside and was open for new things to put in, in a bowl. You put a salad in a bowl. And at the end, I'd, I remember I felt no more resistance, so I felt like the walls of the bowl went down and I felt like a plate. Especially when he left and I was alone by myself and reflected what happened this week, what just happened, what did happen. And all this energy just run through my body. There was no more, nothing could stop anything. I also met people at that one night, at the night of the burn. I met this trumpet player and his music touched me in a way that maybe never before a trumpet could touch me. Because you were in love? Because all, all of it. It was not only the love. It was the place. It was the desert. It was, yeah, it was mostly it was love. <laughs> And Monday you packed up, and Tuesday, you came home Tuesday? 
And the minute I saw him, I was just so in love, and he was so in love, and it was wonderful. And I loved his apartment. I mean, when you see the house of someone, you see kind of a lot of this person that really loved it. And we went to have Chinese dinner, uh, Asian dinner somewhere. And to sit in the default world right uh, next to him was really weird. And I became a little shy, but it took not so long because... <laughs> yeah, we were so much in love and there was a shower and, you know, so we couldn't keep our fingers from each other our hands the whole week. Off. We couldn't keep our hands off each other. <laughs> but I like the idea of the fingers from each other. <laughs> it was awesome. I really, really <laughs> fell in love with Tony in this week. And my flight was on Friday back to Switzerland. But my birthday was Saturday. So I said, well, don't you just stay and we'll go to Sacramento. And my, I was going to come here with my, my, our, my camp and go tubing on the river. And I said, come with me. Come, you know, he had met and hung out with all these friends and they'd love to see you again. And so, so I we spent his uh, extra 300 francs for, uh, for, um, to change my flight to Sunday night. Sunday night, 8 p.m. Yeah. And uh, we had a beautiful day here. My first time in Sacramento. Time. And Sunday, that was the day. We were both sad. We drove back to, to San Francisco and uh, went to this apartment and packed. And it was really sad. Um, and then I checked my flight to get looked up, up my, my dates, what time I fly. And I realized that I supposed to fly Sunday morning at 8, mm -hmm. not p.m., but a.m. And I kind of mixed that up. And so, so we had to we spend had another $300 to, just to change the flight again. To I think it was only 150 I think it was 300 total. Yeah, but then Tony said, if you stay always three days more, I always pay $300. I'll just keep paying. I'll just keep paying. I'll keep paying. <laughs> and so we actually spent more than a week together in San Francisco. Yeah. So we had done the whole like seven days of Burning Man and then another 10 days in San Francisco. Even at that point, after a few weeks, we were saying, we're not rich enough to, to have an international relationship. And so we said, well, we could get married. I think we said, what are we going to do? How are we going to be together? And I could move there. You could, before you even left, in the days after Burning Man, I think we were already, isn't that right? We were yeah. already saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. How I, did we... call, I called my best friend, Nadine, in Switzerland, and I told her I must probably move to America now. And yeah. she... And they all laughed. They, yeah, they all laughed, of course. They all laughed. Look at them now. Wait, look at us now. <laughs> And at the time, there was a little sense of like, and if it doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. I mean, because really, there was no other option. We said, we're not going to rush into anything. I mean, we knew, I knew, don't make any life decisions in the week after Burning Man. Don't do it. The week? The week. Two weeks. A month. A month. The month after Burning Man, don't make life decisions. And so he went back and we said, it is reasonable to wait a year before we get married. And so we just talked, and with the internet and with cell phones, it's easy now. And I was totally open to yeah. move to America. Yeah. I mean, there was not so much holding me back in Switzerland. Uh, of course, my family, my friends, but I didn't have a big career or a house or yeah. something that I had to care for. So I was kind of more free yeah. to come. 
So we talked about, should I move to Europe? Should you move to America? It made more sense for him to move here because I was already kind of in that place. I was just about to buy a house. I knew that I could get a decent job here and we could live a comfortable middle-class life here. To separate the desperate sexual need of a brand new relationship and really get to know somebody helps. You really get to know that your feelings are true and that you're, what about you that connected is real. We wrote letters, long letters, because talking on the phone can be casual and I love you and you, you talk about more what you did that day. But we wrote multiple page letters talking about what you wanted to be when you grew up, kind of first date stuff or second date stuff. I mean, it's funny, after you've been married a while, those details kind of become the white noise of a marriage. You, you, I don't focus on the details of Daniel's history, but I learned about him through them. I learned about our similarities and about our differences by hearing about family histories and occupations and school and just hearing about a life story. Yeah, the letters were beautiful. He's a very good writer and he speaks very good English. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But they were not handwritten. So I asked him, no, I looked at the envelope and then I realized why he doesn't handwrite the letters. His um, handwriting is terrible. Very, very creative. Creative, yeah. So the letters were beautiful. I and and I remember at the time I um, told about my friend. I told my friends about what was in the letter because I really got to know him better by these letters. I planned a trip to Switzerland at Christmas time to meet his family, and he said, "I won't move to America until you've come to Switzerland and seen what I'm giving up to move to to you." I never said that. Yeah, I you just did. said I want you to meet my mom. <laughs> well, he doesn't remember, but he did. And so I flew that. there and I took a ring in my pocket, just in a little box, because uh, I knew that I might propose. But I wasn't sure. Even when I got on the plane, I wasn't sure. I was like, this is a man I'd known for 10 days, I, 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 you know, 14 days. And so I flew there and it was wonderful. Oh, immediately, as soon as I saw him, it was wonderful. I planned every day for, he, stayed, he came yeah. 20, December 25th, he stayed until January 4th. I planned every day something. Yeah. We had wild party. parties, wild European parties. I'm not like, talking about the parties. I'm I am. I am. It was mountains. like Burning Man again. I mean, I had been working so hard and buying a house and commuting from Sacramento to San Francisco. It was a really hard time mm. to kind of try to make this thing happen. So it was really nice to have a 10-day European vacation that wasn't Alps and mom there was also crazy parties we spent wonderful 10 days together and at the very last day two hours before i drove him to the airport he, we were lying on my bed relaxing a little bit we had a real hard program these 10 days we ran from from there to there and um he we lied on the bed and he asked me, hmm, what do I have in my pocket? And he did that several times and most of the times it was his boner in his pocket. <laughs> but uh, then I said, yeah, you have a boner? And then he said, no. And then he took out this beautiful golden uh, ring from his mother and asked me if I'm... No, he didn't ask. And then then I said, am I supposed to say yes now? And then he asked me if I want to get married to him. And, and I said, yes. 
if I were an American and I would have met Tony, I probably would not have thought of getting married. I never thought that I'm going to get married because why? Why should I get married? Um, but since I married a person from America or since I loved a per person from America, it had to be. I think that if Daniel had been able to come to the U.S. without us having to get married, we would have done that. And I kind of think that it may have put us on a less steady foot. There's something about being married that right away, petty grievances are something that you have to overlook. When you just have a boyfriend, you get to the six-month point, and you're like, ugh, the way he eats, or whatever the stupid thing is, you, allow, you can allow it to get to you. But once you're married, that's it. You've made this lifetime choice, and you better learn to deal with the way he eats. How do I eat? <laughs> Wonderfully. When I was younger, I had never really imagined that I would be allowed to get married. But I was with my first boyfriend for six years, and we often talked about, we recognized the advantages that married ha couples had just in a societal aspect. People treat you differently. You get different benefits. There were lots of jobs where I could have extended my health insurance to him, except that we were denied it. We were together for years. We were college boyfriends. We definitely would have been married if we were straight people, but it had been denied to us. And we suffered financially because of it over the long run. So when it kind of became a possibility in 2006, 2007, it was really exciting. And then when it was taken away in 2008, I was furious and was in the streets and was protesting and just standing on the street corner. I just stood on the street corner with a sign and said, repeal Prop 8. And people honked and people flipped me off and prettiest blonde girls in SUVs. It was always blonde, middle-aged blondes and SUVs who would flip me off when I said repeal Prop 8. I don't know what it is about blondes and SUVs. Uh, marriage in Switzerland has not the same, um, it's not the same important to uh, Americans since I'm here, since I live here. I experienced that people really want to be married. And like Tony said before, uh, they look differently at you when you're married. In Switzerland, we don't have that. My friends in Switzerland, nearly none of them are married. Some of them have children and are married, but it's not such a big thing. When we met, marriage was legal in California, but not at the federal level. And so we knew that he could come and live with me, with me in California if we got married in California. A few months later, Nevada passed marriage equality, still not legal at the federal level. And so we thought, oh, let's get married at Burning Man. Okay, great. We're going to get married at Burning Man nine months from now. So we had mailed out all of the invitations. And in June of that year, the Supreme Court heard the Obergefell case, which would either overturn marriage equality within the states or make it legal federally. There were many ways it could have gone. Up until two months before our wedding, we didn't know what was going to happen. They could have overturned every state that had state by state made illegal, and then we would have had no recourse. He was already here on a travel visa, and we were waiting for the fiancé visa to process. So if the Supreme Court had gone against us, it would have all crumbled. It wasn't until June, the end of June, that the Supreme Court ruled in our favor. Marriage became legal across the country, and we knew that everything was going to move forward. Like, were you worried? Was it like, what was their plan B? I don't think we even thought about it. 
I don't get scared by love. I just run more, more or less <laughs> blind into it and move to America. I mean, who does that? It felt so familiar to be with him, to lie in his arms. It was so right. I need to pee. <laughs> <laughs> and then the timing, and then the timing of, all right, you need to pee, let's go pee. Can we take a break? Yeah. Mr. Doniel Otma Meder and Mr. Anthony David Wachowski re request the pleasure of your company at the celebration of their marriage, Tuesday, the 1st of September, 2015, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Fun Connection, Black Rock City, Nevada. Dinner and champagne reception will precede the ceremony. White bridal attire, strongly encouraged. <laughs> Our playa wedding had been on Tuesday of 2014. And so when we planned our legal wedding for the next year, for 2015, we said, let's do it on Tuesday. It's September 1st. That's a nice anniversary date. And we also wanted it to be early in the week because we didn't want people to be burned out. And we didn't want to stress out and be burned out for our wedding. We wanted it to happen pretty quick. We also There were logistical things about keeping food fresh. We knew there was someone coming in on Tuesday who could bring a salad it was. It just worked out. So Tuesday, September first, twenty fifteen, was our wedding day. We talked about wearing wedding dresses for our wedding at Burning Man, and then I don't remember who had the idea, but we decided, no, wait, everyone else will wear wedding dresses, and we will wear suits, so that there's a bunch of brides, but we're the only men. Um, it's called Focus by Separation. It is a like theater one hundred and one trick. Everyone's in pink. The stars in green. But since it's so nice to wear one of these big gowns, um, we were not sad, but all, a little disappointed that we are not uh, allowed to wear one <laughs> of wear these. The so we changed the rules and we were in wedding gowns as long the reception find place at our camp. And then at one point we went changing and uh, slipped into our um, wedding suits in his green and my blue. We, when, we, when it came to what we shall wear for our wedding, we um, decided to be want to be beautiful. There were several ideas. Yeah, we liked onesies, and uh, we had then the idea to just buy these um, construction site onesies with long overalls. overalls with long sleeves, and then we dyed them. Uh, both of us uh, choose a color. He choose green because his eyes are not green, but what's the word? Um, impeccable. No, your eye color has a as a name. Gorgeous. <laughs> yes, his eyes are gorgeous green. Hazel. Hazel, <laughs> and my eyes are blue. And kind of we then we decide because I like really like blue is one of my favorite colors. And then we added some silver for me and some gold for him. And uh, yeah, they're they're really amazing. They uh, we still have them. We. Uh, took off the sleeves and added fringe on the sleeves, so we can we can take the sleeves off and on. Depends on the on the temperature. Uh, there are thousands of little crystal stones. There are uh, flowers, and on my pockets is a V and the an E, and and the back pockets, and on Tony's back pockets is an L and an O, 
And when we stand next to each other, what can you read? Love. But if we stand the other way, it spells vélo, which means bike or bicycle in Swiss. And French. So we decided to have our ceremony at the open desert and uh, the whole... Um, the whole uh, all, all our guests and and we we walked out to the desert and our priest how do you say priest efficient efficient yeah the efficient that's the word i'm looking for the efficient then um led the whole group into the, the the open desert and i was following him and behind me all the brides and after all the 60 brides tony was the last in this line and the officiant uh, then made some curves and uh, walked a bit, bit funny through the desert. And uh, a sudden he started to build a circle. He walked in a circle and all the, all the 60 brides behind him. And when the circle closed, uh, the officiant, Denny, then took my hand and Tony's hand and put the hands together. And we entered the circle and had all the 60 brides around us, whom came closer then, right, right after, and the ceremony started. The ceremony started with a welcoming from our, our friend Denny, who was our officiant, and then we went right away into a quick reading, and then a short poem that was read. We wanted our ceremony to be seven minutes, like people are standing, they're already drunk, they, they, we just wanted it to be seven minutes long, that was the goal. Why not eight? Just, that was the goal, was seven. I wanted to sing, <sighs> sing and have, um, I just wanted maybe nine minutes, but we fight it at the end for seven. For, I wanted five, so we compromised at seven. We also wanted to have um, um, a little extra on the ceremony. We decided to do a bit. We had just been to a wedding where we'd seen a kind of a long ceremony a long like ribbon wrapping ceremony. And we decided to, to play off of that and do a very fast ceremony, but to do all of the traditions all at once. So we researched what people do in different countries. In one country they eat rice, in one country they drink sake, in one country they put a coin in their shoe. And we did it all as a rehearsed bit in 30 seconds with the help of our officiant and his boyfriend who handed us props. And then we did that. And then we crushed the glass. The, and then we did that. And then we did that. And then the American tradition, what you have, blue and old and... Something old, something new, something <clears throat> borrowed, something blue. <clears throat> the old thing was us. We pointed at ourselves. The new thing was our... Jewelry. Jewelry. The borrowed thing. We just ran randomly to someone who was at that uh, ceremony and just borrowed something. And then the blue thing was his beautiful blue suit. I was blue. And then we did a very traditional vow. Because we wanted, because I wanted, because marriage equality was so important to me. I was so angered by Prop 8. And I wanted the real deal. I didn't want some nonsense, touchy-feely, write-your-own-vows. I wanted the real, till death do you part, sickness and in health. I don't think we did honor and obey. No, I would remember. Yeah. I did it in Swiss German and anyway. We, we, we translated it into German and wrote it phonetically and trained our officiant to speak Swiss German so that I could say it in my most genuine English and Daniel could say it in his most genuine Swiss. And right after we said our vows, Denny announced us, Tony and Daniel Wachowski, and he said, you may kiss, and we kissed, and our friends ran into us 
And at that moment, the sun set behind the mountains and we all turned and did the howl. And there's pictures. We, we had a wedding photographer and there's pictures of us in the huddle. That moment when we kissed and everyone ran in to hug us, we all then turn and there's the sunset. And we had planned it. We had dreamed that it would happen at sunset. And it did. And nothing ever happens on time at Burning Man. And this did. This is a picture of our wedding rings that are uh, off of our fingers. After the ceremony, he said, give me your rings. And he took them and he lays them on, um, on the playa. And it's like extreme close-up of just our rings stacked with the, the cracked playa around it. It's such a beautiful shot. It was the, the best. best day of my life. Yeah, it was the best day of Daniel's life. It wasn't the best day of your life? <laughs> it was the best day of my life. Except maybe when I opened Sweeney Todd. I mean, that was a really magical day. But besides Sweeney Todd, this was the best day of my life. I'm not jealous. I remember when we said goodbye at the airport, just sobbing because, you know, like it's summer camp when you were a kid and you become such good friends with whoever it is for a week and you know, you will never see them again. And it was like that. There was this intense, miraculous, genuine love that had blossomed over this week at Burning Man and then a week in San Francisco. And just the thought that anything could happen but the least likely thing to happen would be that he would move here and marry me and it would continue. It was like the least possible thing that could happen. And so 99%, I would never see this wonderful man again. And at our age, love isn't something that happens all the time. It just doesn't. We were both burners. We um, before we burned. Yeah, I was the kid who was like doing puppet shows and just always creating something, always doing something. And Daniel was the same way. And I saw that in him. I saw his just an obsessive need to create and to innovate and to and it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like life. I think that I feel something of a responsibility to try to be as open as I am at Burning Man, as creative as I am at Burning Man. It's hard six months after the burn to keep those in mind and to hold those as, you know, something we value. But there's something about, because we met and our love was fostered there, that stays in our day-to-day -day life, the expectation of the other. I know that he can be as good as he is at Burning Man. There's no reason not to do that in March. How do you get there? We just continue to create year round. And what do you make? We sew. We sew a lot. We sew a lot of things. Today, Daniel made the best underwear cape. It's totally made out of men's underwear that's been split and sewn together and spliced together. And it's just this big, maybe five by four foot square piece of underwear 
that can be stretched and tied and worn as a cape and worn as a hat and worn as a skirt. It's and very can, comfortable. It's yeah. very heavy because yeah. of you never thought that underwear, men underwear are so heavy. But when you sew 15 pairs together, yeah. it gets a very nice weight. I've and never seen anything quite like it. And that's what I love about Daniel and about his creativity. And I think that's what Burning Man inspires in me and in him is that just wide open thought, wide open creativity. It doesn't have to be Kardashian hot. It's it's not cool if it's Kardashian hot. It's just useless and commercialized and Instagram bullshit. But, but the underwear cape is so great and I cannot wait to wear it. <laughs> Our goal is to be invited to sew the temple uh, for maybe 2025. <laughs> maybe they invite is us. that our goal okay maybe it's mine <laughs> a sewn temple i don't remember if i was worried that it wouldn't work we were just so in love all that was there was possible it, it, it just wasn't there to focus on the it can't or okay we'll, we'll just do it and we just did it. Neither of us have had a successful relationship that it lasted. We were both four in our 40s. We're, I'm 44, you're 45. And we were 43 or 42 when we met. And all of our previous relationships had failed. So we just decided that it was worth it to us to put effort into working on what in relation to the beautiful core of ourselves that match is just nonsense. I kind of feel like when we came back to default, having time apart gave us time to get to know each other better. And, a, and it's not it's not that it's a superficial way at Burning Man that we knew each other. It's a really deep way. It's the superficial things that can torpedo a relationship later. The just the day to day nonsense. The, the or the way that somebody is not as open and is not as free is not as giving or as thoughtful or as creative and but we're both kind of creative in our real lives i think our our bigger thing to overcome was our our international differences there there are just cultural differences between swiss people and american people there really are and we struggled a little bit at the beginning and then we took a couple's communication class it was it was not easy sometimes i felt a little lonely here yeah, yeah americans are louder and 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 why it, it, it's uh, Tony was um, in, when he came to for Christmas <laughs> in uh, in 2014 15 uh, we were on a birthday party and we said the, the the people were singing happy birthday to the birthday person person who had birthday and it was like happy birthday they all whisper. It's just not, people whisper. It's not actually they're, not whispering. They're all low talkers. They're all low talkers. Yeah, they low talk talkers. We are low talkers. It's so weird. And You'll be in a party so... with 30 people, but everybody be whispering. They're not so whispering. They don't... They're just speaking their they're normal voice. They're quiet. just not screaming over each other, you know? They're just <laughs> listen what the other says and take their times. And for Tony, it was really weird. And so it is for me. So it is for These me. These are like 30 I drunk have... people at a party whispering they were not whispering i couldn't hear anyone i don't have the best hearing and i'd be like uh, a bad a hard accent i can they're whispering i can't understand what you're saying so i'm I, here i now. couldn't say it because they're because i had to be polite so i'm here now in america and everyone not screams at each other but when there's a party they try to deliver their stories <laughs> they what get do you mean louder, they get louder louder, louder 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 
So I'm in Switzerland. I'm really not the person who's shy or quiet, <laughs> but here I have no other cho choice. I mean, sometimes when I really want to deliver my story, I step up, um, but it's hard. Yeah. And also I learned that it is not allowed in America to tell the truth, how you really feel. Well, you let's, would be, never, let's, once, let's explain I mean, that. Let's I, explain once, that. Once my coworker asked me how I am, and that was not good, and I told him, yeah. and he was not interested. In, in, in America, if you have a problem with your friend did something douchey, you would say like, hey, I, I, you know, you kind of apologize as you bring it up. I, I really need to talk to you about something, I'm sorry. But in Switzerland, it is totally cult culturally appropriate to direct, directly address it. What you did was offensive to me or I, I don't like it. And they, they just, it's like a click. They switch into this direct mode of addressing a problem that here is so rude. And so for a year, I didn't know that that was a thing in Switzerland. For the first year, Daniel would just like come at me. And it was like an attack. I was like, where did that come from? Yeah, but, but in his a baby, I didn't attack Right, you. but in his mind, he was doing the culturally appropriate thing of being direct. And he wasn't attacking me. He was sparing me having to guess what the problem was. And so it took us a while to figure that out. I mean, I really had an epiphany one day. I went, oh, that's what he's doing. He's doing this thing. So now when he does it, it doesn't bother me. Or you just talk about what is the thing Yeah, now. you would never do that in America. I you... mean, you might, but it would have to be a very special relationship that you could come at them in that way. I would say the challenge to marrying an immigrant is they have less economic opportunity and less social capital. Um, and I have to, for the first year, I was very much his caretaker. I had to introduce him socially. I had to, I had to pay for everything. He couldn't work for the first year because of immigration laws. So it was a challenge. I mean, he took on his part and stayed at home, and it was frustrating for him to not be able to contribute. But I love Daniel so much, it didn't matter. I was at that point in my life, it didn't matter. When I was younger, I thought, oh, I don't want to give that up. But when I met Daniel, he was the right man. It was, I was happy to make those sacrifices, to be with who he really is. One of the things Daniel gave up moving to the U.S. was being a fluent speaker and... I am an actor and Daniel is an actor. We are both witty and articulate and well-read. And But Daniel's only that in German. So he can tell a joke in English, but it's a little clunky and he, it doesn't have subtleties of, of language. And that's a big give up. I would really have a hard time moving to another country and giving up that one thing. I know I can always fall back on my wit. I was in Zurich uh, I, in a... In a extremely nice community my friends in Zurich and and what's going on in Zurich is really special to me it's a beautiful city beautiful people and I was known I was uh, I lived there for very many very many years I knew a lots of people and I was kind of the center of some not the center but I was really into and spoken word is very important to me I like to tell stories and I have a hard time to express myself in English sometimes. And I don't get the laughs here as, as I'm used to get them in, in, uh, in German when I speak German. So I'm, I'm getting there. I think that we were able to overcome a lot of the obstacles because 
we have different personalities because I am detail oriented and Daniel is flexible. The things that require detail I can do and they don't feel like work to me or they don't feel like sacrifices. I mean, it's, it's hard to do all the immigration paperwork and to make sure everything is filed right and papers and, but that's what I do at the law firm. So, and for Daniel, one of us had to kind of give up their old life and move across the country and get rid of most of their clothing, all these like simple things that you do when you uproot your life. And if you're not a, a non-flexible person could not have done it. So where we needed details, I get it done. And where we need flexibility, Daniel gets it done. He's the guy who may not know how he's getting to Burning Man until the day they leave. He doesn't quite, but the ride will come available. I am not that at all. So if I don't have a date and a time and a number assigned to that problem, it's a problem. I first realized how Tony is, how, what a good organizer he is. When he called me before he came to uh, for Christmas in 2014, um, uh, he called me and asked what he shall pack. And I said, yeah, it's cold here. Just pack warm clothes. And he really insisted to talk about these shoes and these shoes. He sent me pictures and uh, for, for formal shoes for the for this family uh, Christmas celebration. And he asked me such weird questions, which I meanwhile I know him. He's a good planner, and he wants to talk about the right soles for the, on the shoes and about. Uh, it was negative five degrees how January many, in Switzerland. I had to have like boots. How many underwear? And I said, just bring. We also have washing machines in Switzerland. <laughs> you can wash your clothes, so it's not a problem. Tony is a little not complicated but intense when it's about planning so meanwhile i know him and i appreciate that because he's a good planner he's but just, when he's, something goes wrong i always have the backup and i and i start to improvise so it sounds like your love was really has been really colored by burning man from the start uh, burning man is a big part in our lives um, in the community we live here in, in uh, Sacramento and uh, the regional events we attend and yeah look at our house I mean we we like art we like we like colors we like love <laughs> <laughs> yeah so kind of the playa never ended is never ending for us Turns out, it kind of takes a village to make a podcast. Charlie Harding composed Burning Love's theme. Shout out to his excellent podcast, Switched on Pop, which deep dives into the musicology of pop music. Melissa Setland designed this gorgeous logo, and Brett Myers at Youth Radio and John Mitchell at the Burning Man Project gave me the hookup on gear. Special thanks to Stevie Lepp, Ben Brower, and, again, Charlie Harding for their wise counsel. And of course... Thank all of you for listening. Like I said before the show started, if you have a fantastic Playa love story, I want to hear it. I'm actually especially interested in one that didn't end happily ever after. Come find me on Playa at Milk and Honey 
645 and see ask for lotus or shoot an email to burning love the show at gmail.com come back soon So is there anything that um, I didn't ask about that you think is really important to your story? Our penis sizes? Yeah. Well, talk, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk Go about ahead. our penis sizes. <laughs> I think we're good.